0: Clothing and products for this recording is provided by Proper Right to the Core Walther Arms Giving you the most powerful deal on the planet Venture Gear Tactical Whatever your mission, they protect your eyes and ears The Gun Cleaners Increased safety, improved accuracy, and firearm longevity Primary Arms Be on target. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical podcast. Please, if you haven't done so, visit m-wtactical.com and check out the store we have and support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you're a listener of the Black Man with the Gun podcast, there's merchandise there also for purchase. So please... Go to Instagram and Facebook and do a search for M-W Tactical and follow us there as well. This is the week right here. We're going to go ahead and start preparing for the NRA show. And there's been a lot of controversy that's been taking place as of recently with the organization of NRA. Uh, Please chime in and give me your thoughts. Tell me what you think and where you think this is going to go and where it's going to lead to. Not too long ago, I was invited to do a roundtable discussion here in Columbia, South Carolina. Did this roundtable discussion with a fellow firearms instructor that I always talk about, um, Cedric from Carolina Gunfellows, and we had a brief discussion about the follow-up of the roundtable discussion, so we're going to play that before we go ahead and go into our featured presentation. What was your takeaways from that roundtable discussion?
1: Um, the roundtable discussion, I thought, was the premise and everything is really good. Um, it's something that's needed. And I'm glad that um, BBC and um, Faith Coalition on gun violence brought us in because I think um, you need the yin and the yang. You need the the ones who seem to be part of the problem because some people perceive Gun um, gun owners. Some people perceive, you know, it, you know, if you're a concealed weapons instructor, you're you're part of the problem. Um, versus being an advocate against gun violence, but responsible gun ownership, um, understanding the um, the laws that come along with this, with the gun ownership and things like that. I think the whole premise is very good. I can't wait to do more with it, um, and you know, I, I I think just getting it out there, um, hopefully getting some more people to 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 come in, um, you know. And I would love to see a an array of people, not just African Americans, but you know, the whole spectrum. I, that's one thing I would love to see. I would love to see everybody come together on the next one, you know. But I, I really I I enjoyed it. It was my first panel like that, so you know.
0: Yeah, I think. And again, um, I
1: thought. Came for you though.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of it was more along the lines of, um, you know, just like anything. Anytime you do anything, everybody tries to be the alpha male, and um, right. I wasn't trying to be the alpha male. I was just, you know, citing off, and as I stated, like you know, my personal opinion is, you know, or you know, stats say this. You know what i'm saying so everything i'm saying is truthful i'm not just winging it or oh i think this <laughs> you know but right my, right, my, right yeah my opinion is my opinion but i mean why are you attacking my opinion off of what i believe because um my past experiences from the military you know what i'm saying is something that i believe that carries over to other faucets of um, life so even if you're working for a government entity whether it be a city or state i understand the budget aspect of stuff and by being a budget and people being trained i already know you're not being trained properly especially when it's something where a decision making of somebody else's life is possibly on the line.
1: right and 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 my thing is you made a great point there when you said that you know they're not getting trained properly because the facts I mean, everything shows if they were getting trained properly, wouldn't have there wouldn't be this big divide in in um, law official law uh, law enforcement and uh, everybody, you know, in in the community. Mm -hmm. That's my whole thing. And and again, Richland County might be a, a, you know, second to none when it comes to to the state of South Carolina. I don't know the stats personally, um, but as a whole, there's a divide. And the training is—is is it helping? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not—I'm not, I'm not the—I'm um, not the official on that. But th- there is a missing link there, and I'm glad you offered—you know—to—to—to to, uh, to help and everything. I just—I just wish he would have been more. I think the word I'm looking for more open to saying, you know what instead of saying well nah I don't think so you know kind of deal versus you know maybe um maybe you know there's something you can do you know I just kind of I think he kind of backed off and you know that whole thing that was I guess that was kind of the only part that I took notice of and everything and I thought it could have uh that would have been a good moment for on their side as far as law enforcement that could have been a nice connection to say instead of saying well i don't know if they'll let you in the door like that on what you were asking um uh, to say you know what instead of, you know what let me let me get with the sheriff or let me get with whoever and let's see if we can work something you know what i'm saying so i don't know if i'm if that's what you know if that's correct but i mean that's the feeling i got from it i would have liked to have seen that
0: Well, um, you also got to remember this, too. Um, Whenever you're new to something, so if somebody comes up to me and was like, yo, I know you do competition shooting, and I want to get training, I don't have to vet anything. Only thing I have to do is just wait for you to come to me. But if you're coming to me and saying something like, hey, look, um, I'm an instructor, and I think I have the measures and means to – make your training program that much more better by having me on your staff. Okay, I have to vet you. I have to look at you, like go in. Okay, I see your website. Okay, I see video of you doing this. I see you doing interactions with various people. Now it's a matter of, okay, do I now take the chance of bringing you on board or whatever the case may be, considering I don't handle anything like that. you know. Right. But, um, right. That, that's just like a rough example, you know, um, but I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Um, He got a business card. He's going to go through the website. Um, I showed him videos, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I expressed to him conversations I had with the sheriff. So now they're going to go back and they're going to look in that database because anytime you go to the sheriff's department, you talk to them, they log you into their system so they're going to reference all that stuff. And, and like I said, it's just that, um, that's just the way of the olive branch. And, you know, right. it's it's like I said, anytime you're dealing with people and, um, and I hate to say this, um, it, it depends on the character of the person, but you also got to remember, um, officers of the law are very, they try to be very dominant in the situation because, they're looked at as authority, Definitely. you know what I'm saying? So they can't right. be passive about anything. So, man, like I said, that's why choice words were said, um, keywords were said, but right. it, it, it could have went a different way. But then again, what, what did we say beforehand? It takes the community involvement, right? And right. my involvement in the community is, uh, okay, look, I got this knowledge. I want to share it with everybody. Let me help you get to where you need to go, whether it be a business or individual. But in the same respect, I'm not going to be a confrontational person because I'm not that person, you know. So let's sit back. Let's come up with a solution and let's move forward together. Yeah. True. So we're going to go ahead and talk about some word on the streets as we dub this. All right, so once again, if you're new to the podcast, um, we are looking for about four to five more females who are interested in taking a class from American Gun Chick who will be here in Columbia, South Carolina from May 8th to May 10th, and they're videotaping a class that's going to be given by her for their promotional campaign. If you like more information about this, please email me at info at m-wtactical.com or call 803-250-1256 for more information. Now, once again, Carolina Gunfellows will be given a CWP class for residents in the Beaufort, South Carolina area on May 4th. If you're in the Beaufort, South Carolina area and you'd like more information about obtaining your CWP from Carolina Gunfellows, please email them at Gunfellows at gmail.com. And to wrap it up, don't forget, we at M-W Tactical give free basic handgun classes once a month that is open to the public to get everyone a clear understanding of firearm safety and how to put your firearm into operation. This free class is taking place on May 5th. If you like more information about that, please contact us at info at m-wtactical.com to reserve your spot today. Also, on May 18th, we are hosting a CWP class as well, so if you're in the Columbia area and you would like to get your CWP, please call 803-250-1256 or email info at m-wtactical.com and reserve your seat today. Seats will fill up fast. Now, on to the featured presentation. The feature presentation is brought to you by 13th Legion Defense, 13thLegionDefense.com. What's up everyone? Welcome to the M-W Tactical Channel. My name is Michael Woodland. And today we're going to have a talk with Bill Rogers from the Rogers Shooting School. What's up, good people? I'm here with someone I consider a living legend. A lot of y'all carry your handguns on you every day and don't realize this is the man who started the pathway for gun safety as we know it today. If you haven't known him, I would suggest you look him up by the name of Bill Rogers. There might be more than one out there, but if anything, just look up Bill Rogers Shooting School and that's all the explanation that you will need so for today i want to introduce mr bill rogers of rogers shooting school how you doing today mr bill
2: doing great mike how about you
0: i'm doing great doing great especially after doing your class but i would have done better <laughs>
2: well, not an easy class that's for sure
0: hey that's that's a very true statement right
2: there very true statement
0: so i want to go ahead and start it off by asking um can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you actually got started in shooting and how the Bill Rogers Shooting School came about?
2: Mike, I started shooting when I was a youngster, probably five or six years old. Uh, came from a family that, uh, like on Sunday, a lot of people play horseshoes. So we went out and shot. Um, lived out in the country. Uh, my father was a, a, a colonel in the Air Force and retired at that time, but he'd been on the Air Force uh, ski team. Um, and so he was uh, a bird hunter and we grew up bird hunting. And uh, s- since he was a skeet shooter, we never really got involved in shooting uh, paper targets or, or, or stationary targets. We were always just interested in shooting things that moved. Uh, around our area we had uh, uh, 55 acres of grove behind us and, and huge lakes uh, in front of us. And so, just about everything we did, we we're, we're, were trying to guard the groves from raccoons and rats and possums and and, uh, and then we're bird hunting, and then we we're, we're uh, shoot, shooting gar in the water at night uh, in a boat. So all of those things uh, brought my attention to and, and, and my brothers as well is that we we tried to practice uh, drills that we would uh, we would use in real life. And so we created moving targets and we actually built it. A trap range and made her own clay targets and and all of those things but uh it was all concentrated around shooting moving targets so uh, by the time i was 14 i was a state uh, uh trap shooter uh champion and uh, had some uh, uh, uh some trophies in shooting skeet and so um I, I i migrated uh when i went to college i began to shoot uh, sorry get rid of that one I, I began to shoot uh, um, competition in in uh, trap and skeet shooting, but in any case, uh, I wound up by uh, going into the FBI. And uh, as an FBI agent, I was the uh, at first uh, uh, I was. Uh, at, at first, I was not accustomed to shooting cardboard targets at all because we didn't have access to cardboard targets when I was growing up. That was just something we didn't shoot. And so it, it's, it astonished me at the level of of, uh, of instruction is that the difficulty in getting the instant feedback and so forth uh, f- from shooting cardboard is much different than shooting a clay target or shooting something that actually uh, uh, moves or or. Or destructs when you hit it, and so um, I, as I went through the FBI, I, I, obviously I could shoot very well. I shot a possible uh, right off the bat, and uh, I was recognized as a pretty strong shooter. When I left the bureau uh, several years later, um, in, in in because I designed a holster and gotten a patent, and so forth, and and the bureau was my first customer. I, be, I began, as I began to try to market my holsters, I began to kind of demonstrate shooting. And that was just one of the ways that I, I broke into the departments and, and tried to sell my holsters, was actually doing demos with shooting. And that, that led on to one thing after another, till finally I had some departments say, hey, would you be interested in trying to teach some of our guys how to shoot? And that's what started the Rogers Shooting School. And that was back in the early 1970s. And uh, I I recognized that the way I had learned how to shoot was by shooting things that moved and shooting things that reacted. And so for that reason, I designed a series of targets that were made out of steel that would knock over and then uh, I proceeded to make those targets move so that I could expose those targets quickly and take them away quickly. Because I, I recognized the way that I learned how to shoot trap skeet and, and moving targets was that the targets got to go away and, and they've got to go quickly. So you've got to learn how to deal with them in the time that they're available to you. And you have to learn how to lead targets that are moving quickly and so forth. And so those were all the things that I didn't see in, in the, the normal way that instruction was being carried on for handgun uh, handgun instruction across the board. It didn't matter whether it was a police department or law enforcement or military. So I, I then designed these targets and at first i motorized them but then i recognized quickly that air operation is the quicker way to do it and the cleaner way to do it you don't have to have a lot of electricity and so forth so i began to design targets that moved on tracks and uh, they they would they would move horizontal they would move vertical i even had uh, moving targets that worked off of cables and uh, they were all steel targets and learned that if we painted them white, we could we could recognize the hits. But also, it was important for that target to actually react. It actually had to knock over. So I designed those target systems and so forth, so that number one, we could control their exposure time up to sub seconds. And at the same time, when the shooter hit the target, he could see instantly. Uh, he, he he could you know he could feel it. He could hear it. He could see it. And, and it was that feedback that helps train the subconscious mind how to deal with it. And so that was the start of the of the uh, Rogers Shooting School and the military heard about it. And quickly, um, I began to I had contracts with the Navy to train the Navy SEALs. And later on, we had Army Delta units and Air Force units and so forth. And during that period of time, uh, we weren't able to talk about any of that. We had non-disclosure agreements. But uh, that's, that was the start of the Rogers Shooting School, and we morphed into beginning to teach law enforcement and civilian population. And almost all of those uh, major contracts that I had wound up by buying our target system and using that target system. And, and after a while, we were basically training their instructors. But that's how, in a brief uh, five-minute conversation, that's how the Rogers Shooting School got started.
0: Wow, yeah, like I said, it's a pretty interesting story. Um... And if you actually sign up for the Bill Rogers shooting course, you actually get a book in the mail. And if you read the book, I mean, it's a lot of great information that led me to ask question upon question once I got there. Um, Now, can I go ahead and ask you how were the standards for the pneumatic machine actually created?
2: You mean the the test that we actually use right now? Well, once we went to being able to control the targets pneumatically uh i ran into a couple of young fellows uh that were at that time just out of school and they had started action target and they had developed a software program and before that i kept all of the drills written down in a notebook and all of the targets that operated were analog i'd actually have to take and set each one of the targets the time up and the time down and to, to run them And so it was a real different procedure. And so what I did is I I created at that time, uh, nine tests that I could use to determine the skill of the shooters. And so I was always uh, insisting that shooters be able to shoot with either hand, because a handgun is not the choice of weapons we'd normally choose. Uh, under most circumstances, I'd almost always choose the shoulder weapon. But wherever a hand weapon, handgun actually proves itself uh, to be very important and, and advantageous is usually in conditions when um, we're close to a target or close to a situation and or we're in a position where we can't use uh, both hands. Uh, you know, we're driving a car or we're crawling or we're climbing or we're injured. And under those circumstances, shoulder weapons don't work very well for us. A handgun turns out to work very well. So I I insisted that we learn how to shoot with our right hand, left handed. And so I incorporated those in the test. And then I, I took drills that I thought were meaningful that we tried to teach so uh, some of those drills are multiple targets where you've got more than one target and have to make a decision to shoot and how to, how to engage those targets quickly and try to engage the closest targets first and so forth. And so what that did is I, I wound up by, by creating nine tests with 125 points. Uh, in the test. And so that was uh, in the late 1970s is when I accomplished that. And then once uh, I was able to get software that I could actually take and run the test quickly and easily, then I began to run that test every day. At first, we did not run the test every day. Now we do. We run the test every day because it's so much easier for us to, to program it and set it up and run it. So we've been doing those same tests now for almost 40 years and uh they've just become uh in fact almost everybody that has purchased one of our ranges every agency we provide them with those tests and and most of them use those tests as, a, as as a discerning situation to determine the skill of their students
0: Well, well like i said those tests are something crucial they're fun but very challenging and um man that was my second time coming um to your school and i didn't meet my goal this time around so i'm coming back again to meet the goal and possibly pass it again so hopefully i'll breeze through the test this time around
2: <laughs> well you you passed the test you might not have your uh, intermediate or advanced score but uh, quite honestly, anybody that passes our test, which is 70 points, has, has truly accomplished something. I, I can tell you over the years of having the special forces units come through, and we teach special forces in other countries too. And we have about a 20%, um, I'd say, a ratio of, of operators that have got lots of experience that don't pass, that do not pass the 70 points. So there's a Anybody that, in my mind that can, that can at the end of the week shoot 70 points out of 125 points and you have to recognize that, that uh, to shoot a point for us is what we're testing what we call human response time. So you've got to engage and hit the target in human response time. These targets are not waiting for you. They're going to be gone. And so it's, it's like uh, baseball players can't get up and hit a home run every time they get up. And certainly uh, shooters in our, in our classes can't get up and shoot the perfect score. Um, in fact, we've only had a few people over the over the history of the class. I think it's like six people now that have, have shot a possible 125 points out of 125. And that's after shooting it six times during the class. They get the chance to shoot it six times. And we've got multiple students come back and shoot it multiple times and so the, 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 don't, don't feel bad about not shooting your intermediate score there's a, there's a lot of people out there that would just be happy with uh, passing the basic part of that which is 70 plus points
0: yeah um the way it went for me was um i kind of knew what to expect coming into it the second time around um so i already knew the fast pacedness and everything so i just had to get my rhythm back from what i remember the first time i came because it was actually 3 4 years ago the first time that I came and then once I felt like I my rhythm came back then it was like I started slumping down but then at the end of the week I started coming back up yeah. you know so um but like I said it's very challenging and I recommend it for everybody but I'm one who likes to challenge myself but like I said I'm coming back to get that that next level that I said I was going to get so I can get that second pin <laughs> well. All right. So now let me ask you this. Um, what skill level do you recommend somebody who wants to attend your course to say, OK, this is the cutoff or this is where they need to be?
2: Well, first of all, safety is our biggest concerns. So I need somebody that's got experience of working out of a holster. You know, for our advanced, for our basic class, we'll take you if you've never shot before, because we're not going to emphasize drawing out of a holster until about the third day, and and by that time we've had a lot of chance to work with you, homework assignments at night, and lots of drills and so forth. But uh, you know, most accidents that happen in a training experience, at least in my experience. Have been either drawing or reholstering. That's that's where we get people in trouble, and they get in a hurry, and they get under pressure and under stress. And so, first of all, I got to have somebody that, if they're going to take our advanced class, that I want them experience in drawing and working out of a holster. So a lot of lot, you know, police officers are experienced. Most military people that have been into that, as long as they're uh, recently been into that, have that experience. The IDPA and IPSC shooters have that same experience, but what we do run into is occasionally is somebody that's um, been into a different type of uh, shooting sport, whether it's uh, MSHA or free pistol or bullseye. And they're very expensive shooters, but they've really never ever worked out of a holster. And now it's a real concern for us because we start off in advanced class the first hour. You know, we're drawing out of a holster one and a half seconds engaging the target. So I, I need them to have the experience to be safe, to be able to work out of a holster, and at the same time they certainly need to be able to take and reload. Um, so so they're working out of a magazine pouch and that's just another skill that I need them to be able to to work out of a to a reload situation in, in around three or four seconds. If they've got those skills, they typically have the shooting skills that are required. You know they can basically hit hit a target that's uh, relatively close. What happens uh, with our class though is immediately they're under their pressure to engage a target, in a half a second, uh, and as as we go out in further distance, of course, we increase the time slightly. So I got I got people that are very experienced shooters that uh, that have worked out of holsters and so forth that are just totally challenged by the first hour, and and they're having a lot of difficulty, and that's the problem we see with with most people that have have been trained um, in the normal fashion, whether they're law enforcement or military. They may be experienced in working out of a holster and shooting, but they are not experienced in engaging targets that are exposed for only a half a second. And, and that's, uh, that in itself is a lot of pressure and stress. So we want people, we don't expect them to show up to be able to engage a moving head target in a half a second. But we do expect them to be able to, to draw safely out of a holster in like one and a half seconds and also to be able to reload a firearm in in three or four seconds. Those are the skills that I needed them to have before I could start teaching them what we teach. Yeah.
0: Like I said, um, overall, it's a great class. Um, It's a great setup. And honestly, the way I describe it to people when I'm talking about it is if you wanna learn how to shoot fast and correctly, go to Bill Rogers Shooting School. I tell everybody that. Um, If somebody wants to contact you, how can they reach out to you?
2: Well, the best way is just to go to our website, um, www.rogersshootingschool.com, just shooting, uh, Shooting rogersshootingschool.com all run together. And uh, they'll they'll come up with uh, several pages of of information. I I recommend that they read all of it, including uh, the most frequently asked questions. And then if they have a a personal question, if they just tap in where it says email us, it comes directly to me. And uh, also, I I do actually have on the website, I have a a phone number listed. So if they need to contact me personally, they're certainly welcome to. It's easier to get a hold of me by email because I'm usually on the range during the day and I don't answer my phone much. But uh, they can certainly contact me by email and I'll be happy to respond to them.
0: All right, so there you have it. Um, reach out to Mr. Bill Rogers if you're interested in taking his class. And here in the next few weeks, you're going to see a video that comes out with my experience there on the range. Um, anything else you'd like to um put out there, um, Bill?
2: No, Mike, I appreciate the chance to talk with you and enjoyed it. Hey,
0: I enjoyed it too. So, like I said, be on the lookout. I'm coming back out to you at least two more times this year. <laughs>
2: Looking forward to it. (laughs) That's it. Uh All right.
0: So um, once again, I'd like to thank um, Bill Rogers for coming on to the M-W Tactical podcast and be looking out for more um, videos and questions and everything else from other people who we talk to within the 2A community. Thanks again, Bill.
2: All right. Take care, Mike.
0: For those who are looking to contact me, visit m-wtactical.com. But make sure you go to our Instagram and Facebook and search for M-W Tactical to find our page so you can follow us there. If you decide to give me a call at 803-250-1256 and I do not answer, please leave a voicemail or a text message and I promise I will get back to you. Until next time, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.